0: Hi right, Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Limited Upside podcast. Today is the NBA trade deadline 2017. So when you're listening to this, it's already happened, but we decided to do a trade deadline podcast. Uh, lots of fun stuff. Mike gave us a uh, general overview of the trade deadline. We talked for a little bit just uh, just ourselves. And then we had two guests on. We had Whitney Medworth back. She was on last podcast. She talked about her beloved Pacers. They did not make any moves with Paul George. And what did that mean? And then we had Michael Levin on. And he's a big Sixers fan. He's also a big podcast personality. So he had some thoughts on the Sixers trading Nerlens, And so did I. This is Ben. I was with Prada. And uh, I think you guys are going to like this one. But before you listen to this trade deadline podcast... As always, please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things on iTunes. Um, We really appreciate the feedback we've been getting and and the nice reviews. And keep them coming. Share this with your friends. If you like basketball, we're only going to be doing more and more of these as the season really gets going post-trade deadline now. Uh, Send us your questions. When we get questions, we always ask uh, each other and we ask our guests. So when you see us, tweet out stuff. And you can find us on Twitter at limited underscore upside or hit us up at Prada, sbn or at epiben those are our twitter handles also you can email mike and that's Prada at sbnation.com so send us those questions we usually get to them we love to hear what you have to say we have the smartest listeners okay sit back and enjoy this nba trade deadline 2017 version of the limited upside podcast right. Welcome back to another episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. This is the trade deadline 2017 version coming at you hot from a couple hours after it, really. I spent the day uh, in grand jury. This is is Ben and uh, Mike I have on the uh, line here. Spent the day uh, following every single moving part of the deadline. So, Mike. And I should say, uh, before we even get to Mike real quick, we are going to have two very team specific uh, guests come on. So we're going to have Michael Levin come on and talk about the Sixers who are active today. And we're going to have Whitney Medworth join us again to talk about the Pacers who are not active today. And we'll figure out what that actually means. Uh, But Mike, thanks for coming and joining, buddy. I know it's been a
1: long day. Well, it sounds like your day has been longer. I get to watch I get to watch, tra- watch non trace happen, and you had to prosecute people.
0: Yes, yes, I I did the uh, my civic duty for like the tenth straight day now, and I've got one more left. Grand jury duty is something that I wish none of our listeners uh, have to ever do. So so take that with a grain of salt. But um, I, I'd like to have you cast a wide net. Tell me about the trade deadline today without going into kind of the topics we'll get to with our with our guests uh, and tell me about some of the trades that didn't happen as well uh, and then we'll move over to those guys
1: I, th- I think a lot of teams got cold feet ironically except for the sacramento kings uh, who made their big move a few days ago uh, a lot of talk about jimmy butler a lot of talk about paul george a lot of talk about the celtics finally cashing their assets in none of those things happened you know on a lesser scale there was talk about detroit kind of blowing their team up that didn't happen right. Uh, but, you know, all in all, it was a pretty active deadline. I think this the Noel trade was a surprise. There was a bizarre uh, Oklahoma City-Chicago trade at the end that we can talk about. Uh, and I don't think it really made much sense for the Pacers or Bulls to make a move. So, you know, it was a lot like most deadlines. And I think it was hectic at the end, um, but ultimately fruitless. And that's, that's okay. I mean, they're, the, the league is too bunched up, I think, for there to be too many trades. And I also think the specter of the summer and – I was a little surprised that there wasn't like a really bad contract moved, Uh, Mm -hmm. like a mis, like kind of like oh crap, we made a mistake this summer. But did Hebert get moved? Yeah, but he signed a five million dollar there. I'm like thinking like I was surprised that like nobody, it wasn't like like someone didn't like take Evan Turner. Yeah,
0: well, Solinger, Solinger moved
1: right, also a one year deal.
0: Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. I thought you'd go on by money. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
1: Yeah. But here's my, my question to you is like the big topic, I think, we'll talk about the Pacers side of the Paul George thing uh, later. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler. But like, was this a missed opportunity for the Celtics? I think that's the big question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people. I mean, look, this is going to be speculation until we see how this season and the draft shakes out. Obviously, that's what we do here, speculate. But the, mm-hmm. the whole thing that I get to. Every time I think about the Celtic situation is that at some point this does evaporate. Like, right, there's, there's going to be a finite amount of Brooklyn picks. They're just going to – they just consumed another one now unless they traded on draft day or Which something around. they do. There. I mean that's Which definitely could an option. they totally do. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that maybe allowed for them not to do this now uh, was that they know there might not be a clear-cut number one. A guy that they definitely have to get. So therefore, like that, there's a, a face to that value, right? Some years you could say right then and there at this trade deadline, like that that piece right there is gonna be uh whatever, Wiggins or Embiid, I guess if Embiid hadn't gotten hurt that year. Or that's gonna be LeBron James, or that's gonna be and then name your your face that you have for your franchise in place. That wasn't what the Celtics had. So I didn't think that I think in the end, what they wanted to do was play out this current situation where they're going to continue to have that in the back of their you know, hand, the, the other hand, if you will, by, by able to or being able to play the hand that they currently have dealt. And I think, I don't know, I feel like Ainge is the type of guy who has been smart enough in his career to get this type of leeway, even though at this point, and I mentioned it last podcast, the fainting has become a habit. Without ever throwing a real punch and, and we'll see what that means in in these conversations with other GMs, because that's something that I think might be a real worry or a real concern if I'm a Celtics fan.
1: Well that that's interesting thought. You know, they they are throwing these head fakes, they are coming close and not getting somewhere. They have almost too much for their own good, and so I think everybody they deal with is trying to take a big slice of bigger slice of the pie than the Celtics want them to take. You know, if you're right. If you're Indiana uh, and you're, for whatever reasons, decide to move Paul George, like you want all the full boat. But if you're Boston, you obviously don't want to trade the full boat because that sort of is a lateral move. You want to make an advantageous move. So mm-hmm. I think they run into that problem. They are in an interesting crossroads now, I think, for a few reasons. One is... Because, like you said, the net the picks are starting to come up. You had Jalen Brown last year. You got the pick next year. You've got the pick after that. Uh, this is a point guard heavy draft. Obviously, the Celtics' best player sure. is a point guard. Uh, I think that's a factor to think about. Two is that Thomas only has one more year after this on this super cheap contract, so he's going to get a raise, and you're going to have to decide. As amazing as he's been this year at age 29, you know, with him and even avy Bradley, like, is that? A guy you want to pay, you know, a huge max contracts to right. at that age. Right. And so the window for this little core may not be as wide as you would yeah. think. And that's true. That's of true. course the window for the entire thing is really wide because the draft picks keep flowing in. So they're in this weird middle ground. So I, I think this might have been the time. What what it sounds like happened to them, and obviously we're just guessing, is the Bulls for whatever reason cannot agree what to do with Jimmy Butler in their front office. And so even if they had tried to pursue that and there were reports that Jay Crowder held the deal up, which I think is an interesting thing to think about, like whatever it is, there's, it's not an, obvious thing to trade jimmy butler if you're chicago it sounds like boston never wanted cousins which we talked about last time and mm-hmm. george the specter of la and free agency that year sort of hangs over this whole thing i think that spooked a lot of teams so maybe they tried and couldn't get it but i do think they are you know tom tom ziller wrote that you know they still have this great situation i agree but i do think this might have been the moment
0: yeah i mean i think uh, a big part of this man was that they're there's a simple way to make trades sometimes if you can tell the direction, right? So, if they had just been able to make an Avery Bradley for Nerlens Noel straight-up trade, if that had been something that the Sixers had been proposing to them. And uh, let me ask you this Mike if you Danny uh, you are Danny Angel, I wouldn't you had been trade. you wouldn't do that you think no, Aaron Bradley with his Achilles injury and the fact that you can replace him with an arguable better player this year in the draft with the number 1 pick that you are going to keep because you're not going to make a trade and you're going to keep your Nets pick you wouldn't go for the 22 year old rim protector 23 year old rim protector to pair with I mean that uh, No because anyhow.
1: you're running into the same problem right you're going to have to pay him Restricted your free agent yeah. yeah yeah no no I, mean, I, I if Noel was under contract for like three more years and yeah, I'd make that trade. But if you're Boston, you're already pretty good. So unless that's you're going to make a swing for the fences move, like you could do nothing. You could, and you could still potentially end up in the conference finals.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's true. But if everything here is gauged upon getting to the conference finals, then like, like the, the Raptors, wizards and, and Celtics are going to claw for who gets to lose to the, the Cavs in the Eastern conference finals. But that doesn't really like set the bar that high. I mean, it reminds me a little bit, a few years back, when the Sixers were still not that good, and Doug Collins was coaching them, and and they beat uh, they lost the Celtics in seven before uh, in the uh, second round of the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs, and they were a game away from being in the Eastern Conference Finals with a forty win team. They but weren't. The Celtics are not a
1: forty win team. No, I no, mean, they, they could be. They're not. 50, they're not. But
0: the, four win team. Sure, but their proximity to being in the finals from a, a, what I believe the series would look like. I mean, look, I could be wrong. They could give the the Cavs a, a fight, but I think they're still. A, pretty good distance away from, from the Cavs as a team. And the Cavs are only going to add additional veteran pieces that just want to try to get a ring who will help. I mean, Dar- Darren Williams is like, you it's know, basically momentarily yeah, going to sign with that. them. Yeah. And like, there's a nice backup point guard to add at this point. Right.
1: Yeah. But so, but here's the thing though, if you're Boston, if let's say you get Danilo Gallinari and you trade maybe one of your future picks, maybe you trade the Memphis pick that's out a few years later and you trade a contract maybe you trade a rotation player you know that does that put you over the top against cleveland no does does any is there any move that's not um jimmy butler or paul george or you know i guess we the boogie thing let's let's set boogie aside like other than those two guys like is there any move and so i don't think there is and so yes maybe they did the right thing maybe we just talked ourselves what's the point
0: you know, maybe we just talked ourselves into why Ainge did what he did. Maybe maybe he's a smart guy.
1: I think they're almost I he is a smart guy and I I understand that I just I do think that they are at the point where, you know, this is the moment because when you consider the contract situation coming up, and you just signed Al Horford to uh this deal and he's probably not going to age, you know, he's gonna age fine, but he's not he's at his best right now. I mean, I think Thomas is playing his best right now.
0: Sometimes you're a victim of circumstance like they weren't supposed to be this good this quickly after, right. you know, kind of changing the roster entirely and the whole ethos of the organization. New coach, obviously all new players. Uh, but when you when they moved on from from Pierce and KG and and, and Ray Allen, um, they were never supposed to have the Nets be this bad. They were never supposed to have Isaiah Thomas become this superstar, become a free agent destination that quickly for a guy like Horford. So that acceleration does not go congruently to having the number one pick in the draft and and yeah. being able to have almost an embarrassment of riches at this yeah. point. I mean, smart is excess. Um, if you're going to value Bradley that much, I mean, even mention his name. Right. <laughs> and so, yeah. and he's a good young player. He's yeah. you know he can be. I mean, be and a and very Crowder good with the great contract.
1: I mean, yeah, sure. it'd it almost be easier if it's an interesting point. It almost be easier if they had. One door to go down instead of That's right. six potential ones. Um, yeah. Well. So that was a big non-trade. Uh, what did you think? We're going to talk about the Sixers thing later. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think about some of these other deals? That sure. Let's it start.
0: Accurate. Let me let me start this. Let me throw it at you. Um, so KJ McDaniels ends up with the Nets for uh, as uh, Tom. Puts it, or I guess, as uh, Tim Cato put it, a fake draft pick deal was clear up space and cap space. Okay, so KJ McDaniels going to maybe have an opportunity to play some basketball again. Free KJ. Uh, this is the one I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Doug McDermott was traded to the Thunder. <laughs> the Bulls got the Bulls got Cameron Payne, Anthony Morrow, Jeffrey Laverne.
1: Yes, and, and then they, uh, and of course they gave up Taj Gibson as well. That's and right, a, and the and, second round pick,
0: and, 2018 second round pick. Yeah, so Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott, I think are, I think the Thunder just got like better oh yeah
1: i mean i don't (laughs) quite know what what
0: a weird trade what are the bulls doing here
1: i don't quite know like where taj gibson plays a lot in oklahoma city i mean i guess you would start him and just play big all the time i you know Canner's coming back so what do you do with sabonis who i guess they they really are going for it but yeah i mean the the talent infusion they just got is so ridiculous considering that they traded you know cameron Payne and guys that they weren't using you know McDermott replaces Morrow in the rotation. Like say what you want about McDermott, but he's better than anything Morrow. Yeah. You know, and and Gibson is gonna be a nice guy to have in the playoffs. He's having a really good year. So the Bulls must really think Cameron Payne is good. And I don't know, man. Like I don't see. Cameron Payne, like, is he even better is he any better than TJ McConnell? Am I am I missing something? I'm really not sure what they're seeing here. You know, I think coming out of college, maybe, but now he's had two foot injuries, two broken feet. I mean, I think that's a big factor you have to consider and he's shown nothing like he's shooting 31% from three, you know, he's not getting to the basket. Like, is he even better than Jerry and grant? Like, I'm not sure <laughs> that's even true. So yeah, they, they must, for whatever reason, believe that that pain is going to be their point guard of the future. And like, I don't know, man, like I, w- what percent chance to give that a happen? Yeah. like, 15? I don't know. I'd like to,
0: we should have a, at some point this year, when we inevitably do our Knicks and then Bulls post-mortem. for the Bulls, we'll have Ricky come on, um, and he can yeah, he, he can give happy. us he can give us a breakdown of the Bulls uh, point guard situation, which is weird and awkward.
1: Well, it's even weirder when you consider that they didn't move Butler, right? So this was right. a this was a trade to get better for the future. Gibson was going to leave. They. Um we even got into how they traded so much to get McDermott, and then two years later they're just not they're just dumping him for nothing,
0: yeah, and that's that's something that I thought really resonated with me that uh that Tom told us. He's like, you have to look at if a guy's on the move, you have to look at the totality of what that player's life cycle was in a trade, right? And that, I think that's something that uh yeah. When you look McDermott, may, you know, it doesn't look great. The Nerlens trade, which we'll get into, doesn't look great. Uh <laughs> it's the whole thing, yeah. You know, yeah, it's a full life cycle when when these are players who move, you know, a couple times within a 2-3 th- year, even a 1-year uh, time period. You have to look at the entire trade. And you're right, McDermott cost a lot to get a little and uh it's, it wasn't it's weird that how that works.
1: Bad. Like I didn't really understand. like he had he didn't play that great this year. Obviously, defensively, he's a mess. Um, and but I thought, you know, he's he's okay. Like he's been yeah. again. He's an upgrade for the Thunder. Um, so I'm I'm just not quite sure what they're doing. Um, the other stuff that happened. Uh, do you have any more thoughts on the Bulls? Or you want to just kind of hit yeah, some of these other things.
0: I just want to hit like uh, Mike Scott uh, was traded to was uh, traded to the Suns for some cash.
1: A lot of salary dumps. That's the trade headline for you. Uh What do you think about Toronto? Yeah, what about Toronto? Yeah. And then we should probably talk about the Wizards. I want to ask you this because you're the
0: you're the uh, film guy here. I want to know what the. Um what the new look Raptors look like? So PJ Tucker was traded to the Raptors. The Suns got Solinger and two future second round picks. So now it's Tucker and Ibaka uh, added to this this Toronto Raptors roster. Tell me about what you think that's going to look like now.
1: I think it's it's great for them. Tucker uh, is not a very good offensive player, but he can hit a corner three and he's tough and physical. Like I think his defense is a little overrated, but ter- if you're Toronto and you probably want to run into LeBron, like you had nobody to guard him before, and now you have somebody. I think Tucker is going to give them what they hoped Carroll would. I'm not I'm not quite sure how the rotations will shake out, you know, so They got was, a
0: lot of scrappy guys. They really do have a tough team now. Mm-hmm. I mean, from from Lowry on up, they are a, a physical tough team.
1: Yeah, and you can play uh, Ibaka at the 5 as well when Valentinus isn't having a good game. They have a lot of flexibility. You know, that team needed a shot in the arm and they they got it. And I think they were smart also to wait out the price. So they didn't have to trade mm-hmm. very much to get Tucker. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets minutes like where without Ross like doesn't Powell get more minutes along the wing like so how do they split up the bench minutes like they must also be worried that Patterson's got some injury problems because um, yep. when they're all healthy I'm not quite sure when everybody plays but I mean those are three semi-redundant players right
0: Tucker Carroll uh, and Patterson when healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, they do slightly – certainly Tucker and Carroll, I think, are a little redundant. But uh, Carroll has been a disappointment since he got there. And, you know, you can never have too many guys to throw at the top wing players in this league. Agreed. Uh, And so I think they did really well. I don't know if it's going to be enough. Um, And, you know, with Tucker and uh, Ibaka free agents and Lowry, of course, and Patterson, Mm -hmm. it's going to get really expensive. But they needed to give themselves a chance and this year and they did so they did a great job nice uh and then just i want like quick hit
0: hitters from you here mike because we'll get to our guests shortly uh i want to go back to the 21st of february and the 22nd of february and just go over because we did not hit these trades on the last podcast we did which was on the 19th about cousins it was a knee-jerk reaction podcast with tom ziller on here go back we and do? listen to it
1: it's all knee-jerk all knee-jerk yeah,
0: baby that's what we do, and it was like, as it was unfolding, we, we got one of our favorite Sacramento fans to um, uh, to fully embrace his emotions on our podcast. It was great, but on the 21st, Lou Williams was traded uh, to the Rockets, which is an interesting little trade that happened. Corey Brewer went to the Lakers uh, with a 2017 highly protected first-round pick. So, or not highly protected, is it? It's not protected.
1: No, I mean, it is it is technically unprotected, but, like, I mean, realistically— <laughs> like the Rockets are going to be uh, yes. a low pick, yeah. Lou, yes. Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, uh, James Harden uh, on the same team. Not quite sure how that's going to work, but look, Williams awesome. is a lot better than Brewer. And if there's one place that'll bring it out for him, it's uh, Houston. Oh, this he's having is awesome. a really good year. They're, they're going to be a lot of fun. I just, I, I think it's going to be a little bizarre. Like I, this is my problem with Lou Williams is that, and you know this, you, you've been <laughs> around with Lou Williams a lot. Like he's a ball. We've had a dance. Yeah, yeah we, we've danced before. You go I. on the Lou Williams ride when he's in. Like, that's that's what you do if you're a team. And so are the Rockets really going to take the ball out of Gordon and Harden's hands? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's I guess Mike D'Antoni can make it work, but this feels a little bit like too much excess. I think the real smart thing that Houston did was clear some cap space to make themselves the leaders in the buyout market. They have more money to offer uh, under the cap and that I think yeah. can get them some good players. Terrence Jones just got released by the Pelicans. Um, what, the, what was that? He's like a legitimately good basketball player with, who's young. And I, I think he wanted to get released. I think they wanted to honor him, his request. For sure. for sure. But he's like – he's the type of guy who – and you have a better understanding than I do
0: of which teams have – the cap space available and, and the player spot and everything but he could change a team for sure this year right now like he's a very good low post presence and a weird lefty too at that yeah
1: but he's got to be like no 23
0: lefties. there's not many of them. There's like 40 something in the whole nba and that's crazy to think about
1: yeah but that's that's i think what houston did that was good i i've never been the biggest lou williams fan but um he's better than cory brewer okay last but not least because we saved it uh we might as well get the fan
0: perspective all in a row here we'll do pacers next and then sixers but first we should get the wizards perspective because you guys added uh boyan Bogdanovich yesterday you don't sound too enthused well I've seen him play enough he put up his best career game against the sixers I watched it it was yeah. kind of funny because he was completely gunning and then if you watched any of the Olympics um or, or whatever yeah he, he's an in international play he just guns it like an absolute suit he's basically a a wing version of Ilyasova, uh, every, time, every time they shoot it, they're just so confident that it was the right play. And, and I appreciate that in a way. Yeah, um, and the yeah, Wizards
1: um, need some of that on their bench. Totally. So they got nobody. So
0: me, and you got Chris McCullough too, by the way, who's a standout D-League player who was pretty highly touted out of Syracuse. So tell me what you think about the uh, Wizards package.
1: Well, you could predict this one from a mile away, right? Because over the summer, they tried to retool their bench and failed and that's why their bench is so bad. And it's been masked by the fact that their starting lineup is just so brilliant, and they're well-coached, and all that. So not only did they have a terrible bench, but they had all this long-term money that they needed to get off, because Porter's about to get paid, and they should pay, and Porter is really good. So if you're going to make a trade to get a bench guy, you also had to cut salary. And so, there aren't that many players out there that allow you to do all that. So getting Bogdanovich, who I know they liked before, I believe he they almost got him in 2015 at the draft. And they've been, I think they've been keeping their eye on him for a while. How That's old is he? Like, yeah, you know, he's like I think he's 27 or 28. Uh, he's a restricted yeah. free agent after the year. He can really shoot the ball, but he's kind of a bit of a floater. Um, but he can also get buckets in a hurry. Defensively, he's yeah. kind of not great. He is uh, going to turn 28 during the playoffs. Okay. So I could see him playing the three and the four. I like that they'll be able to play small more, hopefully. They had to move the first to get rid of Nicholson, and that's you know where moves you make in the past kind of hurts you in the future. And that's sort right. of kind of the, the history of, of what Ernie Grenfell has done over the years is that he generally does a pretty good job of kind of taking what he mistakes he made and kind of turning them into something of value, but you wish that, Mark Zuma would
0: say, uh, Mark Zuma, uh, soon to be hall of fame announcer for the Sixers someday. Uh, he, he would call that turning
1: garbage into gold. Yeah. It's more like, uh, turning garbage into a, like a $2 bill or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so something of value, but I wouldn't say gold. Um, but I think it will help much. them. I, it's a little disappointing. The big, Question, I think, is, like, would you have made that trade for P.J. Tucker instead? I probably wouldn't have, but it's no, an interesting I don't think question. Well, the whole idea here was
0: that to add a, a court-spacing shooter off the bench, right? Just a guy who could hit some shots. The Wizards were missing a bench unit who could score points. Yeah. I think uh, all the stats that came out after this trade were, like, he basically would – already have made up the stats and he has this season make up like uh, you know 80 percent of what the Wizards bench scores
1: and he'll get passes from better players and he, right. That's right that should make him a better shooter no I think it I think it'll help them um I, I just think the other thing is that they didn't fix their guard problem with Trey Burke being so bad at back of point guard and that's disappointing and that's that's what happens when you make a mistake and you run into having to fix a lot of problems you're able to fix one but you Unless they can find someone good in the buyout market, they that's still a glaring weakness for them. So they should try to add Bogut. No, they don't need a big guy. They need guards. They need a guard. You guys should try to
0: add Bogut. I'm just kidding, man. I don't you know. Just, I, I can just want to I say hate. Bogey
1: and Bogut. I,
0: I loathe Andrew Bogut, so I'm I'm less than enthusiastic that he is part of the Sixers organization. I don't want him. I don't want him anywhere near. I don't want him anywhere near Joel Embiid. I don't want them to even meet each other. If they don't meet each other, fantastic. Good. I don't
1: think they will. I think that will Good. that will end quickly. Um, they already broke Dario Saric's heart today. All right, we'll get into that
0: later on in the podcast. Uh, we should move on. Mike, get your text. We will uh, we'll hit uh, this. The next part of this, I should say, on the flip side of this, uh, we will have Whitney Medworth join us, and we'll talk about the Indiana Pacers day that never was.
1: back and we're joined by Whitney Medworth the SB Nation NBA assistant editor but also one of the biggest Indiana Pacers fans on the planet so today was a rough day for her I presume
2: yeah no it was it was not the best of days the past what well whenever this started 48 hours maybe maybe just 24 hours whatever it was the uh, it was the culmination of like what you thought in the back of your head was happening actually happening.
1: Although it didn't technically happen. So we're talking obviously about Paul George, uh, who was the big name in trade rumors. Uh, he did not get traded. Uh, but you wrote a piece today on uh, com that just published that was essentially like this is the end of the road. Like the writing is on the wall. You know, any chance they had to salvage the Paul George era kind of is already passed, So uh, it's almost like the beginning of the end, even if he hadn't get traded today. Yep.
2: Yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely so i have a question then i gotta jump in i gotta jump in so no jump in this, Yeah, yeah <laughs> no no and like i, I um again I, everything i should say today on this podcast we preface with i was in grand jury all day so i've been reading a lot and trying to get as much as i could but i couldn't like watch woge live okay unfortunately although i heard the set was pretty cool <laughs> i heard the set was really good though like high production quality is that true I don't know.
1: I wasn't watching it. Okay. All right. Anyhow, That's right. Tom was All watching guys... it.
0: <laughs> okay. Good. Someone was watching it. But anyhow, um, how much of this, if any, can we put on on Paul George's shoulders, though in in uh, insofar as kind of wedging his way out of Indiana and not and I know that the kind of the thesis of your piece was that it was the opposite, which is that the Pacers are you know, almost pushing Paul George out with the moves they've made and, in you know, and not capably, uh, surrounding him to make any type of push at Eastern conference, you know, supremacy. So what, wh- how much of this, if any, w- are you willing to place you know, on his shoulders in like a Carmelo did in nuggets way or with the nuggets way or, or what Dwight did, uh, in a couple different places, how much of that can we put on Paul George?
2: Yeah. I think that I probably could have written the other version as well if I wanted to. Um, hmm the reason why I went with uh, the the front office doing it is because they were actually going to listen to offers. And I thought, well, like, you know, why are you even at this point? But yeah, okay. I think that you could definitely uh, argue that Paul hasn't always kept up his side of the bargain. I think that Paul gets away with a lot. And I mean this in the best way possible because um, I respect the guy a lot, but, he gets away with a lot because he came back from that injury, which he deserves all all the credit for in the world that he did. Um, I don't know how many people could have came back like he did and as good as he did, but I think he gets away with a lot um, sometimes because he did that. And because he's, he can often say the right things. Like how many times have we heard him say, I want to win for the Pacers. Um, But then, you know, just tonight, yesterday he said that the Pacers and I are on the same page and just tonight he has said, I was in the dark and I didn't know what was going on. And he does that stuff all the time. Like there are so many instances where he, he talks out of the side of his mouth and you're like, Paul, Paul, what are you doing? Like one of the big, uh, instances I remember is he got a concussion. I don't know what year of the playoffs it was. Uh, I honestly don't remember. He got a concussion, um, but didn't tell the, the doc, didn't tell the trainers, but told the media, and he was like, I think I have a concussion. And it caused this huge stir of nonsense. And so um, my point is is that Paul does and says a lot of the right things, but he does and says a lot of the wrong things too. And you could probably spin this in a way that Paul has not helped himself all the time.
1: Yeah, but he, he's still one of the best players in the league. There's still on the court. He's, he's also a two way player. I, sometimes he annoys me with his tendency to take some tough shots or play hero ball, but like all in all, if you're a franchise and this is what I think your piece was saying, and I think it was accurate. If you're dealt this as your superstar hand, you are in a pretty good position. You know, not everybody is perfect. So. Oh yeah, no, for sure. I mean, at this, and that's why I'm kind of, when you say, is the issue that he just wants to please everybody. I mean, why, what is the problem here? Exactly
2: um, I mean, maybe that's what it is. Um, he's always been a little bit of he just he just says a lot of weird things, um, and he always has, whether it's post game or or practice or whatever. Um, and maybe part of that is just him learning how to to be the guy because you know this is new for him. He was draft drafted fairly late, didn't really wasn't really a huge guy in college. so maybe, It's still him learning how to handle those situations, but um, often he will say some interesting things.
0: So I I wonder though, like when, when I mean wedging yourself out, I mean like when you pit, and this is something I do take uh, offense to, because I've seen it happen to my Philadelphia teams in the past. When you, when you pit glamorous cities against non-glamorous cities and Indianapolis and Los Angeles fit that type of dichotomy, it's it's unfair to the people and the fans who have to kind of endure like an insult to their life, to yeah. so like that their world. Also, and that's... And I don't... You him, go ahead, go ahead.
2: Yeah, him wanting to go to LA, allegedly, is another version of that where his comments are, he says, I I want to win. I want to play for a winning team. And I, my other option is the Lakers, which like I get the the allure of the Lakers and why anyone would want to go there, but they're not very good right now. So mm-hmm. the fact that he... Wants to win. I don't know. It's like he wants. Okay, I want to win in Indianapolis, but I'm okay with not winning if I get to be in LA. Like that's the kind of stuff that makes you scratch your head with him.
1: I I don't think that's a contradiction, right? So let if the team if the two teams are equally you know, mediocre or equally not winning <laughs> by his standards. Like obviously, yeah, you know, if the choices, and again, the other thing is too, is that he may not get the financial advantage of staying in Indiana unless he makes uh, one of the two all NBA team, three all NBA teams in the next two mm-hmm. years. So that takes away another incentive to stay in Indiana. So if that's sort of your choices, like, what is why not go back to LA? I don't I don't really see that as contradictory to be honest.
2: Well, then I guess my question is like what is his definition of I want to play for a championship I want to win.
1: That's a good question, but either way, the Pacers have not gotten him Correct. The, uh, anywhere oh, yeah, close. Still. And I think that was what you were trying
2: to say in your piece. If I have to pick, if I have to pick, I'm putting blame on the Pacers, but there are times that you could find where Paul has also not held up his end of the bargain.
0: Yeah. And it's going to be really interesting to see Larry Bird and Magic Johnson duel over Paul George because that's the next time they're going to be really playing each other. It's fascinating.
1: So I, I don't think uh, a lot of people are fully comprehended like what has gone wrong in Indiana. I think, you know, on the outside and you laid it out so well that they're, they reach this point where he obviously shatters his leg and that's terrible and they have to sort of retool the team or maybe they didn't have to, but they did. And the last two years have just been this aimless stretch of we don't really know what we're doing. You know, I don't think people fully comprehend what has got on there the last couple of years so what what is it about this with their decisions that have set them to the point where they have to look at the nuclear option of trading him?
2: Yeah, I think uh the most uh, the biggest reason is that every team Larry has tried to put together post uh Paul's injury has been so mismatched and a little bit opposite of what he, a little bit, a lot opposite of what he preaches. Um, basically, since the injury, it's been, um, you know, we're going to be faster. We're going to be more like what the rest of the NBA is doing. Um, and he hasn't really put together teams that that can do that. Um, Larry's big idea was that Paul was going to play the four um, last last season not this one but last season that paul was going to play the four and i think he built his whole idea around that um but paul didn't want to and and paul really didn't he did a little bit here and there but but he really didn't and so they spent the entire season trying to figure that out like who's going to play it how are we going to do it can we convince paul to do it um eventually cj miles did it and um the C.J. Miles is like, after he came to the Pacers, has become one of my favorite players in the entire league. I think he's a a great guy and does does anything that the team needs. But, you know, without him taking that for a little bit for the Pacers last year, I don't know that they even get to where they were last year. So it's been two years of, of mixing and matching and it not fitting. And then he did the same thing again this year. He went and signed – or he, he let go of, of George Hill for Jeff Teague, uh, got that young – and then, you know, signed Al Jefferson. I mean, it just, it's, it's always been a weird mix of, of things. And part of the problem is the Pacers can't get free agents. You know, it goes back to that story of, of you, the Lakers, even though they didn't really get anyone either, but the Pacers really can't compete when it comes to that. And they're kind of, Larry always has to deal with kind of what can I do with what's left over? Um, and to be honest, he hasn't been great at that the past two years. I think he drafts pretty. I think he drafts pretty well. Um, you know, you've got Paul in the draft. You got Lance, um, you've got Miles, Miles Turner. Turner. You know, yeah, I yeah. think he. I think he drafts quite well. But there's a huge disconnect when it goes to like, you know, the the Danny Granger trade that brought in Evan Turner and Lavoy Allen. <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. ended up not being helpful at all, and it might have been better just to keep Danny around to be a uh, locker room guy that year you know, but he yeah. went for it and tried to to make something happen, you know, signed Andrew Bynum that year too. Like, you know, it's just, there's a lot of questionable decisions when it, when it's that side of it uh, for the Pacers.
0: Too many, far too many players uh, in common there that have, gone through the Sixers uh, organization
1: <laughs> during during the tanking <laughs> process. So yeah, that's yeah. never
0: a good sign. I do like no. the idea of the Pacers team slogan being Larry's big idea. I like that a lot. I think that'd be great. <laughs> Just brand it. The Washington Post has a slogan now, why can't the Pacers? Um, there's definitely something to, you know, when you play in a, in a market such as Indianapolis, look, there's only a few truly glamour markets in the NBA. And then the, the other key factor, and this is, random is that if you have a superstar and this obviously increases with where a lot of the density of superstars come from in terms of major cities but like having someone born in your area is the only reason why the cavaliers have anything because lebron was born in akron straight up yeah they're nothing without it, where he's born and yeah. and that's like even with all their number one picks that they've wasted and so that's like you know one part of it and uh, and that obviously helps certain markets and then the other part of it is maintaining the right relationship with the guys who you draft really really well like getting paul george a a really tremendous franchise player at the 10th pick in the draft in in 2010 like is you have to treat make sure that you cultivate that relationship to understand like how special it is to have gotten someone in that regard treat him like you did pick him number one overall and that might be something that might be part of the disconnect as well from the organizational standpoint
2: yeah it's hard for me too because i'm i'm from indiana um i went to indiana state like i've grown up uh, the biggest Larry bird fan there is. So this whole thing of like, Larry, you're screwing up the team is, is hard. <laughs> it's a, it's sure. a hard thing to do. Um, but, but when you look at it, it's like, it's, it's really not good.
1: Yeah. And and you think he's, he's gone and it's interesting. I wonder if there was the no LA boogeyman, like, would he be on the Celtics right now? Uh, and would that be a trade you'd want to make? You know, that that's what didn't happen. It sounds like the Pacers were never that interested. And I, or it sounds like you were not that interested in doing that, um, you know. But it's it's sort of delaying the inevitable.
0: Yeah, and I want to ask you both this last question, uh, if if possible here, Mike. Which is because these are the two names thrown around. We're not going to have Ricky on this podcast. Who who in your mind, Mike? You can go first, and when you can close this out. Um, who in your mind had more value, or
1: were they the same, um, Butler or George at this deadline? I think that George's game is sort of a little easier to fit in when you're kind of sliding it in mid season, you know, I think sometimes he is a little sort of ball dominant, but he's a really good off ball player. He's a very good defender. Uh, so you could sort of slide him into a second scorers role. Like that's sort of his style play really good catch and shoot player. I think Butler is a little bit more of a kind of needs to survey isolation type. Um, but I think Butler has played better this year. I think Butler has a better contract and, you know, George maybe is the cleaner fit, but I, you know, I would probably give the edge to Butler right now to who's older at this point. I think they're about the same age, aren't they?
0: 26, something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. close. So it, it just depends what you're looking for. I think if you're Boston, you probably would go for George first over Butler because just of the way you style play and what you already have. But if you're starting the franchise from scratch, I would probably take Butler.
2: Yeah, I would. Um, I, Butler's definitely had a better season. Um, But I'm still, and this is not good to say as a Pacers fan, but I still feel like uh, Paul George has a lot of untapped potential still. And I think in the right situation um, could still, I mean, be way better than he is now. Um, Then that may be a little bit biased on my part, but I think that he still uh, isn't anywhere near as good as he actually could be. And I would like to see, whether it's with the Pacers or somebody else, um, him finally be able to kinda get into to who he should be. So I'd I'd go Paul George, but I'm not you know, I'm not denying that Jimmy Butler's definitely sure. having a better year right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would love to have been a fly on the
1: wall. Yeah, Paul Paul George did have a that great playoff series. We haven't seen Jimmy Butler do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, he's 69. Jimmy Butler's, you know, 67. And Butler is a couple months older guys. He's 27 now, but they're they're pretty close in age. Um last thought for both of you guys is isn't it amazing the value of that that first round draft pick when you just get into the first round because Butler was the 30th pick of the first round and Paul George was the 10th. So when you see all these picks being thrown around and there's kind of this like market value set at what a first round pick costs. It it has been shocking to me to see the players who are at similar market value in terms of what picks are being transferred for them. When, when, this, uh, when this deadline ended, the whole thing was kind of baffling to me um, from Cousins from Cousins on down. But just to, 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 to put a bow on the fact that the 30th pick and the 10th pick in the first round could be the guys we're having a conversation with as two of the best players in the league.
1: And yet the Pacers couldn't leverage their first-round pick into some real help for Paul George.
2: That's the real problem of the day, <laughs> right there. That's the problem. Yeah,
1: because it's a good pick potentially,
2: and and also like
1: that's that's the other direction you choose if you're going to keep him. Like you have to help him, and yeah, yeah. You know, right
2: in it, like you, be- it begs the question: like, did they really spend all day trying to trade Paul George and didn't get anything done? Could they really not find somebody to help him for that pick? Like, you know, you just wonder what went on, and it, it adds up in the list of uh, unfortunate decisions.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ben, you were talking in the previous segment like why about why didn't Boston do something smaller? Like, why couldn't, you know, was Wilson Chandler not an option for Indiana? Yeah. You know, was there not something like that that they could have done? I don't know, um, you know, what they could have. Yeah, I
2: wondered myself, you know, why were they asking about Okafor but not Chandler? Maybe they were. I mean, we obviously don't know everything that goes down, but it seemed like there were better options than what was being floated around that said you rarely hear about a Larry Bird trade a rumor yeah,
0: you only yeah.
2: you only get like that's happened usually the Larry Bird rumors don't ever ever come true
0: I mean, they should have gone and gotten McDermott and and uh, Gibson for nothing yeah and so yeah. should every team in the NBA apparently
1: yeah I don't <laughs> uh... well unfortunately the Pacers didn't have Cameron Payne <laughs> they didn't have the secret <laughs> to basketball also known as Cameron Payne I think Isaiah Thomas wrote
0: about that or whatever in the, in the book of basketball that was his quote right Cameron Payne is the secret to teamwork <laughs> um anyhow but uh cool Whitney we really appreciate you coming on for the second consecutive podcast to enlighten us and uh, specifically to a topic near and dear to your heart on a probably emotionally weird day as a Pacers fan so thank you
2: yeah yeah thank you guys for having me
0: cool cool all right guys up up next uh we're gonna get into uh, one of my favorite topics on one of my least favorite trades i've seen in a long time that's sixers we're gonna have uh michael levin come join us he has a great podcast himself so i'm sure he's gonna have a lot of thoughts on this uh after the break And we're back with my uh, near and dear part of the podcast. Here uh, we have Michael Levin on. He, uh, you might hear him from as one of the hosts of "Rights to Ricky Sanchez." It's a great podcast. Go listen to it. But he's got some thoughts on this. He's a big Sixers fan, like myself, and I'll let him have the floor first so we can talk about the Nerlens Noel trade that was today, which just sucks, uh, in my opinion. But we'll, we'll let Michael get to this first. Nerlens to the Mavericks. Sixers get Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson, and a 2017 first-round pick that is so heavily protected that it is eventually going to become, in all likelihood, uh, two second-round picks. So, Michael, you still have a pulse? I'm assuming. How you doing, bud? Oh man,
3: this is a tough. <laughs> this is a tough day. I was all excited, I was excited. Wait, wake up. Like, clear up, clear my schedule. I mean, like, let's just check Twitter. I'm on the West Coast, so wake up. It's like, three <laughs> hours to catch up on. I caught up on all the tweets. I was like, I was on top of it. It's great. And then it just it came. It was really fast. It was really (laughs) very very fast, which I guess is better than if it was this long drawn out. Hey, they might trade him. There's this is might get included. This might not get included. Like it was just it was a quick like stab in the throat, and I just bled out all over it. Although the the protect. (laughs) So really, okay. So the I'm just gonna talk. So the (laughs) (laughs) the, uh, yeah talk away. the, The the trade is really broken into into to multiple parts which is like okay New Orleans is going to be a restricted free agent next year so if they don't think that they can sign him or that they don't think they want to match on any like big deal even though they have a ton of cap space and a franchise center who is notoriously injured and will need should have a capable backup to play major minutes if they think that New Orleans is not that guy or they don't want to spend that kind of money okay great but Col- Colangelo got in here almost a year ago and had many opportunities to trade him. Uh, Kyle Newbeck reported that he turned down a better offer from the Celtics earlier in the season or in the off season. And so it was just poorly handled from, e- from any point ever. This was just not maxing out on his value whatsoever. And so, and if you feel like you do have to trade him, like you have to have to trade him like or, or even like you feel like there's no way I'm going to match then you should you should trade him for like something and even though i like Justin Anderson because i'm a big draft guy like i think he could be something he wasn't getting minutes on Dallas yeah so like he lost his minutes lead. to
1: an undrafted rookie
3: yeah Dorian Finney Smith who i also like but it's <laughs> not the point the point is tr- trading Nerlens who is a legitimate franchise center not going to you're not going to build your offense around the guy but you can he can anchor a defense he's one of the best defensive centers in the league already and trading him just for like a flyer and two first pick for two second round picks that's just nothing it's it's not worth it's not worth it and if you think that hey the value around the league is so low that we have to do this shitty deal then the value come free agency
1: it's just going to be just as
3: bad should feasibly also be that bad that right. he won't get overpaid in terms of like twenty five million whatever, so it, it doesn't work from a logic standpoint for me. And I also think Neurons is very good. But even if you don't think Neurons is good, even if you're like he, he's too s- small and doesn't play strong in the post and doesn't have much of an offensive game, and I don't and you don't care about like deflection rate, <laughs> which you're wrong. You should care about deflection rate. Uh, even if you don't, it is important. Then it's still a bad trade. It's poorly handled top to bottom across the board because Jaleel Okafor is not the kind of the person that you can be like, all right, you can back up Embiid and beat an anchor a defense. He can't, he hasn't, he won't.
1: Well, so that's the baffling thing to me, right? They still have Jaleel Okafor on the team. After pulling him out of games for like two of their games and leaving him on a road trip because they're going to trade him. They still have him on the team, and they don't have Niles Noel on the team, even though they knew a year ago. It's funny you said that it was a quick stab and the <laughs> quick stab, and that was a trade because <laughs> that stands in stark contrast to how they handled the entire thing. This was a year-long thing, and yet, and yet, Okafor is still true. on the team. I mean, it's the whole thing that I think makes it even worse. It's almost like we're not
0: dead; we're just like uh, you know paralyzed from the waist down and can't think logically anymore. Um, But I'll say this too. One of the things that I think is kind of being underrated in this was like the very real chemistry that was being cultivated with this team. And that was something that was tangible and you could really see it. I mean, look, Michael, you and I watched the team Day in and day out, we're watching every single game. From a national perspective, even when people watch them now, there's this kind of like, oh, wow, they play really fun basketball. And that doesn't just happen. That takes time. And I think a big part of it are the relationships that were being uh, formed here. And I do think that there's going to be... I don't know, some level of resentment that emanates from this as well as what already, you know, has happened to Okafor. And it doesn't speak well to the other players on the team, especially maybe superstars who are not on the team yet, who you'd like to get potentially in free agency or incoming draft players who are going to have agents who are representing them. It doesn't speak well from the top down to know this is a non-trustworthy organization. And one of the things, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, is we have not heard from Mr. Colangelo yet uh today and i'd I, love to get your mr. thoughts mr. on Transpa- mr mr transparency i think he yes. he goes right now. <laughs> right on his it's sleeve. Just,
3: it's yeah. so frustrating it's so frustrating because like I, and i hate to do this i don't hate to do it because there's nothing <laughs> I, it's the only thing i can do but like every colangelo move and i think forever will always also <laughs> be a referendum on the hinky era and what kind of gm hinky was and what his failings were and so just the fact that like Calangelo, they fired Hinky. The league stepped in, forced Calan- forced Jerry Colangelo in, and then executed a cu- a coup to get his son in there without any interview process whatsoever. And all that happens, and then it comes in. It's like, hey, I'm going to be the transparency guy. It's going to be so open. We're not even going to have windows. Open air. You're going to be able <laughs> to see right through. It's perfect. And just for that, like he's had an au- Colangelo has had an awful, awful month really between the uh, Embiid injury and then being day to day and all of a sudden it was a torn meniscus and now it's a bone bruise and like they've been holding him out for like even before that Jaleel Okafor had a torn meniscus and they said it was only going to be like a couple weeks or a month or whatever and he was out for like six to eight months or something it was forever it's there there's been the opposite of transparency it's gotten worse and then between and then Simmons who Simmons, yep. they, they lied about the if the x-ray looked good or whatever it was i don't know the simmons stuff doesn't bug me as much i'm just i just like piling on so (laughs) and then and then they have they have the okafor stuff where they hold him out they hold him out of a game they hold him out of games they said he's in trade talks we're gonna happen and then people called their bluff because they had nothing and now he gets like dragged back to the team and they trade the guy who's actually good who actually fits fits with the team so i mean the just from how he how it's been handled from like a publicity PR like communicative standpoint it's embarrassing like I it's it's like the sixers looked at all these other teams mishandling deals over the I mean between the Knicks and the Lakers and the Kings and they're like yeah we can top that that's that's something we can we, we can do all these things together we can just screw up everything at once it's yes. not good nothing is good Good. It's like the like the Sixers have been there there are so many good things happening with the Sixers and they have to try to suck at other stuff. And yeah, like no, they're yeah. they're doing a great job of sucking at all the exactly. other stuff despite all of the good things that have that are happening in Philadelphia right now.
0: Well, that was what I was going to say. Like, the way this trade deadline started off with, like, the king's tanking and that gift of a, of a again, and I think you're right about the Hinky referendum being very real. The shadow, uh, the ghost of Hinky if you will, will always loom large here. It just has to, because a lot of these are his assets that Colangelo is now transferring into garbage. And that's what's, you know, I, on previous part of this podcast, used the Mark Zumov euphemism of turning garbage into gold. Well, this is the opposite of that. I mean, this is taking gold and shitting it into garbage, and that's the problem. Um, currently the MBA trusted the Colangelo's to make the right decisions to make the Sixers competitive. And I would argue that these are moves that make them less competitive. We lost the best player in this part of the trade, uh, or in this trade or specific trade, I should say, um, not being forthright with the, uh, with your fan base. After what we, we as a fan base have been through is just the ultimate icing on the cake. It's just like, come on, we don't deserve this. Sixers fans do not deserve to be toyed with at this point. We've been very, uh, responsive and open. And I think for the most part, have been really, uh, people have been very into the process I mean, there's definitely a faction of people who aren't and that's very loud and vocal on days like today as well where they're like yeah it was great i love julia sova and like i'm a i think it's pretty good anderson's like a, you know a pretty good player and, and mm. you know all can't <laughs> score points and like you hear like the box score argument and i i hate that shit so um today's been frustrating uh mike are we are we being babies dude uh pray to that <laughs> is. Are, we, are we being
1: babies and I'm, I'm, i can't tell no, I mean this is—it's been a bad month, and it's also this isn't that hard to screw up, you know. If the if Colangelo had said from the jump that he has a that Membid has a little torn meniscus, and we're going to be cautious, and we're going to hold him out for four to five weeks, you know, you guys wouldn't be mad, right? No, no, not all. So why would why did he have to do it the other way? And you know the Simmons stuff. If it was yeah, he'll be out a little bit longer. Like nobody would have been mad. So those were layups, and I think with Noel. It, you guys are all right about this. It's the way it was handled. And I also just don't quite understand. Like, is it really so bad to have to pay him this summer and then maybe try to trade I, him later? I just
3: don't I just I just don't understand that logic at all. People people keep harping. It's the same people that like harped on like you're gonna trade MCW, he's rookie of the year. And like <laughs> it's like just like an arbitrary thing where it's like, oh, you don't do that. You're gonna you're gonna pay Nurlands however much money, so let's say twenty million, to be a bench player. And it's like this is not a normal bench situation and bead is not the healthiest guy in the world even when he is healthy he still misses back-to-backs like he's he's going to have parts in his career where they're like let's sit him and be safe so he, he'd get major minutes also the fact that both of them are tremendous defensive players could play together for a time yeah
1: and they didn't and they, eight, they, minutes they eight, eight minutes total minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah Yeah. so eight eight i think
3: i think colangelo got here saw that nerlin's wasn't happy and was like i'm not going to Pay that dude any money? I'm not going to do it from the beginning. It was all, everything was he handled it poorly. Nerlens was pissed, rightfully so, because they drafted three centers in the row, and that's on Hinky and ownership before Colangelo got there for sure. Yeah, but but it just seemed the whole time that like Colangelo had no intention of ever keeping Nerlens, and this trade is about what Colangelo values him at and so that's bizarre he,
1: too though why not just trade him right off the bat that's the thing that I don't understand that's
3: exactly so I think he thought he was more clever than he is and he's clearly not um I a first round pick for New Orleans and an expiring deal when you think that okay we're not gonna we're not gonna commit that kind of money fine I it really if it honestly if it was a if it was a first round pick uh maybe even like top 10 protected first round pick for for uh Nerlens or sorry and and Justin Anderson for Nerlens I would have been like okay I disagree with it cuz I think Nerlens is is better than you guys do uh and I think you could a keep him or b sign him and then trade him in like 2 years if MB mm-hmm. has proven him to be healthy um but if it was just for a first round pick and Justin Anderson, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I disagree, but fine. Cause it's, you can, ev- you can argue over evaluation of player. This is a logic based thing that, that frustrates me. I, we just did a Ricky and I was talking about it on the, on the podcast, but <laughs> it's just like it the lack of logic just crushes me in arguments in real life, in basketball life and everything. So like the, the idea that it's like, well, no one wanted him. So we had to trade him for this shit. But on the other hand, uh, everyone's going to overpay him this off season. So how are we going to get it? It's like, those are insane things to both think at the same time. And, yeah. uh, it doesn't work for me logically. Uh, I think, I, th- I think both Colangelo doesn't like New thought he could do better for him. And then panicked when he feel like I had to make some trade. Otherwise I'm going to get roasted for not being this like man of action. Even though he said he quote the quote a couple weeks ago was, I will not make a bad trade for this organization. So that's a lie. That was a lie. Then we all knew it was going to be. And it's even more of a lie now. And what's the bummer is that the sixers before this trade was made were having the best trade deadline. the yeah. The Kings traded boogies, so the pick swap for this year was looking good, and the unprotected two thousand and nineteen pick that the Sixers owned was looking good. And then the Lakers hired Magic Johnson two days before the trade deadline. <laughs> and that that pick will probably a, you know, if it, it's top three protected this year, that the the Sixers and the Lakers pick. And if we get it, it, it'll be like four, which would be great. And there's like a 55% chance of that happening if they stay at three. And then if it doesn't come, then it comes next year and they'll be bad next year. So like things were looking great. And they traded Ursan yesterday for two seconds. And that's great. I'm happy about that's it. Good. Yeah. And then and then to then just do this, it's just like, it, it, just, it just didn't have to
1: happen. It didn't have to happen. Yeah. And keep Okafor too. I think that's the other thing.
3: <sighs> yeah. Well, that right. that was just more frustrating from a... If 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 teams don't want Okafor, if they think he's bad and they're not going to trade anything for him, and it may as well worth it may be worth it to just keep Okafor around and hope that he gets better on defense or rebounding, and he's on a rookie deal, so whatever. Then then it's it's more just an aesthetic thing, an, an aesthetic thing because it's like I'm tired of watching him. Everyone's tired of him being around for for his sake. I hope he goes somewhere else and plays and can succeed somewhere else. It just, it's just not working here. But uh, the other stuff the. The neuralin stuff, it's it's just it just think, shows that, like he's not you, he's he's not he doesn't have a, a, the, the clear vision for what the yeah. franchise should be than that uh his predecessor did.
0: Do you think that the, the cousins trade you know fucked the market basically? And it completely changed in essence what maybe teams were going to provide for, for Neurlands? Maybe. Well certainly between the
3: Cousins trade and then the uh the Nurkits trade, it certainly like lessened uh right. suit the suitors. It seemed like New Orleans was interested in that. It seemed like Portland could have been. Even Denver was saying maybe Um, Indiana was rumored up there. Chicago, although Sean Hyken said that they weren't as in as the it was seemed like they were publicly. So Mm -hmm. even Boston, I don't know. Maybe, maybe certainly. But I think I think it's just the fact that those kinds of players, teams don't want them anymore. And so the fact that you're going to trade New Orleans, who is the exact like modern NBA player for, for a rim protecting big man who has also been like a very solid jump shooter this year
0: yeah yeah it has been better he'd been improving it's, that steadily and getting yeah. more comfortable taking it in the game too exactly. it's, it's I couldn't agree more and I, I do think uh, I think there's probably like a part of this entire thing that gets skewed by the fact Again and I think you're right about uh, Embiid's health but also that we've not seen Simmons game translate to the NBA yet. Sarich is playing a lot better. These are all 6 foot 10 and taller players, which is roughly what Nerlens' height is and Holmes needs to get some minutes even with Nerlens not on the team. And maybe this is where Colangelo's thought process was. and still have plenty of depth at big man but I don't think necessarily any of them translate to actually defending a center other than probably Nerlens. But uh, so there's there's part of this where Klentzler might evaluate the team's whole roster differently. I don't even want to give him that benefit of the of the doubt in this situation. Then trade I'm him sooner.
1: Yet. Trade him sooner. Then that's the thing that that I, get out of, that I get out of that. Just trade him sooner. It's not like the center situation changed. It's not like the NBA was going in a different direction. Uh, could have seen this coming. Uh, so just do it sooner. There's he just bungled change. it. He just bungled it the whole time. Like he bungled the entire yeah. situation.
0: Right. And that's a King's parallel too. And that's what frustrates me the most. Like never <laughs> oh, want to do anything no. the Kings are doing. And like Devak admitted there was a better trade, you know, that they didn't uh, accept. And my question is like, I would love to have um, like the email correspondence of all the different trades that they had been, uh, you know, in talks with, that maybe they could have executed at different points in this, because if this was the best offer of all, then I think none of us on this podcast have any idea of the value of Neuron's Noel. Because because uh, that's,
3: that that's the thing is otherwise. that like, you just don't know, like the, yeah. the, Twitter has each fan base's Twitter has its own like groupthink and hive mind. And no doubt. So, certainly, I I really was excited for Jaleel to get traded because I just have no idea what other teams think of him. Like, uh, there's certainly not any sort of uniformity to how the league thinks of one player or a type of player, but, uh, and it only takes one team to make a stupid trade, whatever. But it just would have been so interesting because some people think like, "Oh, you can't trade Jaleel for that." He was the third overall pick, and then other people will say like, "Oh, you can't." No one would trade anything of value for Jaleel. He's terrible. So it's 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 such a weird thing. And I think that you know we're we're never gonna know. Even like the even Chicago uh, Paxson was saying that it uh, just now that. Uh, he was blaming Tom Thibodeau for trading all those picks for Doug McDermott. And so like no one's ever gonna just come out and be like, Yep, my bad. Like it's right. just never gonna happen. Teams won't do it, they'll blame each other. That's all bullshit. So we gotta I, get WikiLeaks I, on this. That's right. That's that's what we need. That's what they should be
1: focused on. <laughs> find, um, find the private I email server I, that Colangelo uses. Yeah. <laughs> I'd appreciate that.
3: It's uh it's not great. It all all in all. Like yep. it's a bad thing, but the sticks are just still load so loaded in other ways that It 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 might not matter. Like I think if Embiid gets hurt, then it'll matter, but they're still so loaded in in so many other places that it's like we can get past this, but I worry how many how many times Colangelo can fuck up all the good things that Hinky set up to where like it's not gonna work out anymore. And this this was a this was a big he he was like pretty mediocre before this. I think the Ursan trade was was great, but he was he was all in all pretty like he hadn't done much he's kind of just sitting tight uh and we were like giving him credit like well it's okay you know he, he hasn't screwed up yet that's great it's you know hard to do whatever and this is the first time where he made a, made a big splash and that was a bad splash he splashed all the ladies tanning nearby and they didn't like yeah. it i didn't like it
0: it was a diving competition you don't want to have a splash
1: yeah no yeah. bad splash <laughs> this that he really went a long way and just kind of like the Orleans Noel talks went a long way in the calendar. No, that didn't quite work. Okay. Oh, well. I mean, we need means, to laugh yeah, at something. The, yeah, I was going to say, Mike, that's exactly it. On the on the only plus side
0: of it, uh, something happened. So now you know that going forward, Okafor is not just going to be staying at home while the team goes and plays basketball in other cities. And that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, He only plays <laughs> home games. He only right. plays home
3: games. Good. Right. No, I only think – I think what this what this really says is that, uh, Colangelo wants another like top flight lottery pick. I, I think that he didn't think he didn't feel that Nerlens was one of the one of the core players, and I think he. I'm mean, I'm I'm definitely projecting, but my guess is that he thinks Nerlens helps us win games this year, and I don't think he wants to win games this year, so. Maybe we'll see like Embiid be kept out a little bit more. Who knows yeah. if Simmons is going to even play? So I I think he's really gunning for a couple top picks. Hopefully that Lakers pick conveys, and then with the uh, Kings pick swap, we should be in position for at least one, maybe two top five picks. And and I think that's that's Calangelo's first priority.
0: Yeah, and I'm and I'm okay with that. That's very hinky and hinky in
3: kind of that. kind of but i think i think he wouldn't i don't think you know if it was
0: <laughs> yeah yeah bad, bad
3: well, young winning the winning games for the sixers then that's <laughs> one thing but new Orleans is 22 and
0: oh yeah could Let's be, say that,
3: I, I, I thought he was part of the core and that, that you know yeah. not the case. Well,
0: the biggest difference is we didn't have a spencer Hawes or evan turner to kick off the ship and that's right. that was the issue um, for sure well Urson, ursan yeah. was that yeah, yeah. yeah. kind well, of f- absolutely but but Ursan was always gonna be getting the boot as soon as we realized that Sarge was the real deal it was like we well I was worried.
3: I, I give him more credit for that because I, I I was worried that he would paper yeah. on the yeah so i am yeah. I'm, I'm very very happy that he didn't I was even I was like praising the hell out of him yesterday I trust <laughs> Colangelo he knows what he's doing he has our best interest and like he still might legitimately. I think this this is there's a logic flaw with this like just my like computer based brain doesn't comprehend how you get to this trade. But I think you can I think it can you can get past it and be like, all right, look, neuron's is gone, whatever. Say we traded him this offseason or and his value was low, whatever. It, it it was totally bungled, but like if we just say like, okay, that's all in the past, let's look at the future, like a ton of second round picks that we could package into something, a couple firsts, couple future firsts, Dario, Embiid, Simmons, Luawoo, Covington, like there's a bunch uh, things of are really good. good things Things are very, good. very good. Yeah. Except just, for the winning. I'm just, I'm just, the winning's fine. Who cares? <laughs> uh, I'm just worried. I'm just worried that, like, just, it, it. it is a, it is certainly an overreaction to be, like, furious about this and not feel good about the team anymore. But uh, every, like, everything is a, is a chink in the armor of, of this guy who was, you know, delivered to us by the league and his dad and like a very unwanted boss so like we're, we're ready to hate him and this is yeah, another yeah. this is this how he's handled everything in the last month is a real is a real like yeah this is why we didn't want him for for shit like this we were things were going great we, we had it all figured out we <laughs> wish i wish
0: dad was still around <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is he is like it is the antithetical relationship to philadelphia's mindset like I, the blue collar in the face of the nepotism never works but uh anyhow we gotta we gotta we gotta ship this podcast off so mike can edit it tonight because uh he's got i don't know a few things going on i guess it's still deadline material as well but uh Levin, we really appreciate you coming on, man. You have uh, some thoughts on the Sixers, and, and we do a lot of Sixers-oriented podcasts. We always have different Liberty Ballers on, so we'll have to have you uh, as, a,
1: as a past one uh,
0: back on some point uh,
1: in the future, maybe when
0: we're picking in the top two of the top five picks, uh, as you have. Uh, happy to do it, man.
1: And keep up the great work with your show uh, and with the shows you're working on uh, in TV land, obviously. Uh, you got yes, one coming up, not, right? Not,
3: not on TV land. No, in TV land.
0: <laughs> Go ahead and uh, tell, tell us what you're working on if you want to, man. Tell us what, All right. Uh, I'm, are, a, I'm,
3: a, I'm a writer on a show called Trial and Error. It's a, like a mockumentary legal comedy, like sort of making fun of like true crime genres, like making a murder, those kinds of things. Anyway, it comes out March 14th after the finale of This Is Us. It's <laughs> on NBC. John Lithgow's in it sherry shepherd jama mays nick DeGusto, hell of a cast sherry uh i said that already but <laughs> you good. andy andy daly from review is on it for a couple episodes it's it's a good it's a good show nice
0: Watch it. nice very nice I'll be looking out for that. Everyone, watch it live. Also DVR it. Watch it within the first three days, and then again within the first seven days if you can. That's right. Uh, and then, then uh, <laughs> look for uh, look for Michael and uh, and the uh, rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast as well. We really appreciate you coming on, Bud, and uh, Prada. Thanks again for uh, for running a tight ship on the uh, for another boat analogy here uh, on uh, NBA trade deadline day, two thousand seventeen. Right. Yeah.
1: Let's uh, let's hope for good things for our tortured teams.
0: You're a Wizards fan, man. You got a good thing going on that note. Yeah, but speaking of things that don't (laughs) usually last. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's true. Fleeting as always. But until next time, everybody, this is Limited Upside Podcast.